Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners. Due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today, 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. AAA Air, when you need us, AAA Heating and Air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And J.J. has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. The game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, a reaction Monday. South Carolina falling to Georgia. That's all, that's all I need to say, right? I think that was the, Preston, you said that was the Twitter account? Carolina falls to Georgia. No score. Carolina falls to Georgia this week, and they lost by a lot. Um, yeah, they lost by a lot. Wes and Chris are here to share their thoughts. We'll get more of yours on the Love Should Be phone line, on the text line. We'll get a recruiting recap. We'll recap our buy or sell. Chris has piggybacked off of a stat that I mentioned earlier. Not my stats, not proprietary. Got a lot to get to. It'll be a busy Gamecock Central takeover hour here, and let's get things started on the right foot by giving you guys some money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is save, S-A-V-E, save, S-A-V-E, save, S-A-V-E. Text that national keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. All right, to Carolina, Georgia, 48-7 final score. Chris, when was the game over? <laughs> um, Probably after after Georgia scored on its third consecutive drive. Like Arkansas did last week? Right. Well, that was that was one stat to put forth, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming into the game, we knew 
that it was going to be critical among many other things for, you know, they had to follow kind of the formula, so to speak, for pulling an upset. And that was, you can't be negative in the turnover margin. If anything, you need to be positive and well into the positive. (laughs) (laughs) They lost that three to nothing. Um, And then you you needed to be able to challenge at least Georgia early by putting some points on the board. And and Mm. they were also, (laughs) Wes is doing the hand motions. That was an X. They were unable to do that as well. Oh, okay. Anything else? Um, Well, there was a lot of X's, so you you could probably make that noise a lot more. But (laughs) we'll we'll cover some of the other ones. But, yeah, I mean, look, Carolina comes out. They have a promising drive, and then the play, in quotes, happened (laughs) that y'all spent a good bit of time on in the last hour, and we can talk about that more if everybody has the stomach for it. Um, and then, you know, but, but I do think, and then, you know, you have another, a beautiful throw by Spencer Rattler to Jaheim Bell and right in stride, but then you turn the football over on a ball that should not have been thrown. And so Georgia, once they cross the end zone for the third time in a row, you're going, yeah, Carolina is not going to have the ability to stop them defensively, which was a big concern coming in anyway, but Carolina is missing, you know, half the defense in terms of starters. They're not going to have the depth to keep up. And it was pretty evident that they weren't going to be able to challenge Georgia offensively, you know, at any critical point of the game. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Wes, somebody texted in when we were talking about the play, which, by the way, can refer to, like, Doug Flutie's Hail Mary, you know, like Music City Miracle, or to carry on joining a running wildcat on third and six. Uh, some, some texter said that that's when he knew that he was going to be leaving early Saturday. That feels a little bit early, but when was the game over for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say the, the third touchdown in a row as well. I mean, some games you watch, a team gets down three scores, and even then you're just kind of like, all right, there's, you know, may, maybe there were some turnovers and you just had a bunch of things where you, you weren't playing too well. You're like, all right, the team that's down is better than the other team. This mm-hmm. game is far from over. This game was more like Georgia got legitimate stops on defense, Georgia had three legitimate drives on offense. There was no fluke. There was no, like, ah, you know, that's just something that happens sometimes in football. It was a business-like approach from Georgia. And, you know, it was funny where Chris and I, like, I don't know, we we were starting starting to get a little scary because I was thinking about this riding home from the game, and I was like, every single thing that we said going into the game in terms of you'd have to have this, 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 and this to pull an upset, it was like none of them happened. The other one I was thinking about was, you know, force field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. Score touchdowns of your own in the red zone. Um, they didn't really get to the red zone much offensively, but it, just every single thing that needed to happen did not. Um, let me also real quickly say, I said several times on the air last week, you know, this isn't the same Georgia defense as we saw last year. And I was saying that in the context of maybe South Carolina can have a little success offensively against this group. Let me just be the first to say, I am a moron. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not what, saying what, what it's the same defense. They're not the same defense as last year. Do what? What did I say when you said they weren't the same defense as last year? Uh, I don't know. I said last year they're giving up 10 points a game. This year they're giving up one and a half points <laughs> oh, a yeah, game. Oh, yeah, you did say yeah. that. Uh, Completely so, tongue-in-cheek. but Yeah, so, I mean, I'm an idiot. Terrible take. And, and my thought was, you know, hey, yeah, they're still talented, but I was talking about it in the context of this game. Maybe, the, you know, maybe there's some reason 
to think Carolina could get their playmakers the ball and have mm-hmm. some success. I'm an idiot. Incorrect. <laughs> Georgia's really good, but you know, I think we have to have today maybe one of those conversations where we say it can be all those things like Georgia is still obviously really, really good. They're going to make a lot of teams look really bad. They made they made Oregon and South Carolina look very similar in the results. However, we have seen South Carolina's issues exposed, not just this Saturday, but throughout the first three games of the year. I feel like I've been talking for 10 minutes now, so I apologize, but I, I just got a lot on my mind, I feel like. And um, South Carolina just has not really played well for very long stretches so far this season. Um, I had a different point in the game when I felt like it was over, and it was about halfway through the second quarter. Because I was, you know, I just like, I, I don't take a lot of notes when I'm watching the game, um, but just things that I thought were worth jotting down. Opportunities, underline, colon, three of them in the first quarter and a half. That wouldn't have led to South Carolina pulling the upset, but would have helped make the game competitive. You have the deep ball to Bell. I think the third time this year that Carolina has thrown the ball to Jaheim Bell past the line of scrimmage, one was a three-yard out route, not a great result. One's a pass interference, that's a good result. And one is a deep completion, that's a good result. So you throw it down the field to him, 66% of the time something good happens. Next play, pick. So there's an opportunity. You grab some momentum, you hit a big play down the field, Maybe Georgia loosens up their defense like a centimeter. You know, anyway, things can roll from there. Can you get points on that drive? Nope, you throw a pick. Opportunity number two, you call a fake punt. And then you convert on the fake punt. And then you turn the football over on downs. And Georgia goes down and scores again. The third opportunity that South Carolina created for itself is they actually forced a three and out. Georgia punted twice on Saturday. Once was in the second quarter. They forced a three and out. They flipped the field. They got the ball uh I think just, it was like on their 45-yard line, I believe, just shy of midfield, great field position. Three and out, you give the ball back to Georgia, and they score. So you had three opportunities, three things you did well, executed a fake punt, forced a three and out on defense, hit a deep ball down the field to give yourself an opportunity to score some points, resulted in goose egg on the scoreboard. And that I think was the game. My, my, like Wes, I have a mea culpa too, and that being that I really thought – Again, didn't pick South Carolina to win the game by any means. But I did think that there were would be some opportunities, A, for Spencer Rattler to make some throws in the passing game, and that, B, he was going to do that. My my idiocy went to the point where I said he would have his best game so far this year, and that was obviously not the case. Going back and watching it today, at Wes's urging, I went back and watched the Skycam, which is a, a cool huh. view because yeah. you can see more. And... You know, I, I, it, it was so, is such a you can't say it was just this or just that. It was it was everything, but I think you make a good point that there were probably not enough throws down the field. I mean, if you're going to kind of go for it, maybe you have to do that. South Carolina tried some perimeter throws, some short throws. They largely were eaten up. Um, there was pressure. I mean, there was a variety of things, but he certainly did not have the type of game. Uh, that I thought he would, and and the turnovers, you know, part of that. The, the second pick, I mean, you're throwing the ball up, down a lot, mm-hmm. but the first one shouldn't have ever been thrown, and it comes right after a big place. So that's deflating. There, there was a lot there that we that we need to dive into, but that was that that was not. Uh, I didn't expect, I would say, that level of poor play, you know, in the passing game. I thought there'd be a few more plays there for South Carolina. Um, suffice it to say, it was not a good game for South Carolina. 
and they're going to have an opportunity to play again this Saturday. That's the good thing about playing sports. You get to play again. South Carolina's playing Charlotte this weekend. It's a 7.30 kick, so it's a night game, too. Carolina's open as a 21-point favorite. Uh, if you would like an opportunity to go see that football game in person at night, maybe take the kids in a little more relaxed environment than most games probably will be this season, uh, you can be caller number six right now, 803-404-6100, as part of the Carolina Honda Power Sports ticket giveaway. Be caller number six right now, 803-404-6100, and I'll give you a pair of tickets to go see South Carolina and Charlotte coming up this weekend. We won't start previewing that game until Wednesday slash Thursday. Uh, in the meantime, we will get back into some Carolina and Georgia thoughts. We'll recap our buy or sell as well as the Gamecock Central Hour on 107.5. The game continues. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11-17 on a Monday morning, a Reaction Monday. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes, Chris here with you in the Herndon Chevy Studios of 107.5 The Game. Trying to unpack... Uh, I mean, I'm surprised at the amount of takes that we have available to us, honestly, today. After Saturday, I texted Preston. and I was like, I have nothing to say about this game. He was like, I do. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to play music for the first 30 minutes of the show. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say uh, after that game. But we found plenty to talk about. A lot of good takes from you guys on the Love Chevy phone line and on the text line, so appreciate that. Keep it coming, 803-404-6100. Chris has a good stat on South Carolina's slow starts, which has been... You know, as the body of evidence grows, I think it becomes, I think it is more and more worth investigating. But before we get to that, Chris, um, one of the great sponsors here at the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, the good folks at Integrated Media. Yes, Integrated Media. They have been out to my home multiple times to set up various things. If you need anything in the way of smart home installation, TVs, internet, video game systems, wireless speakers, any of that stuff, any home technology, audio, video, make sure you give the guys at Integrated Media, Michael, Nathan, those guys a call. Call them at 803-948-8327 or visit their web- website at Integrated Media Inc. That's INC.com. You can enjoy modern conveniences at your home. Again, smart home installation all around the Midlands. If you want a home theater system, if you want to deck out that man cave, biggest thing, guys, football season, still in full swing, only a quarter of the way through the season. Make sure you can... Check out all the games. Don't have any buffering. Make sure your internet signal is strong enough. Call the guys at Integrated Media, Inc. If you don't have any ideas about what you want, give them a call. They can design it for you, and they can install it. That's IntegratedMediaInc.com. So what is the extent to which South Carolina regularly starts games slowly on offense? Yeah, and so this is piggybacking a little bit off what we talked about. You know, this weekend they were going to have to try to challenge a Georgia team that's not really been challenged this season early and. We're unable to do that, and and this has become a trend, you know, um, this season and last season. Um, so South Carolina has played sixteen games past couple years. Three this year, obviously thirteen last Checks year. Checks out. Yeah, <laughs> good math. Yep. All right, thank you for double checking me. It is a question. Uh, out of those sixteen games, in eight of them, they have scored zero points in the first quarter. So half the games, uh, no points in the first quarter. Uh, they have only scored a touchdown in five of those 16 games in the first quarter. And so this year, uh, South Carolina's quarter one stats in terms of offensive output have gone zero against Georgia State, three points against Arkansas, and zero against Georgia. So no touchdowns this season in the first quarter. 
Um, wow. Yeah. 11 first quarters without a touchdown. So Carolina is trying to score as many points in three quarters as other teams are scoring in four quarters. Essentially. Well, I mean, that that's you're, the way it's... punting on a quarter. It's the way it's played out. Oh. And when you're... You know, when you're playing really good teams or teams that you are even with or teams that you're not even with from a mm-hmm. talent perspective, if you're basically, like you said, if you're kind of being a non-factor for an entire quarter of a game, that's going to hurt you. And that's why yeah. we've seen, I mean, go look at, okay, Arkansas and Georgia, two teams that not only did you not score a touchdown in those, you give up touchdowns defensively on your first three possessions. Now you're mm-hmm. trying to play from behind. Yeah, Georgia State that team hangs around with you and even grabs a lead later in the game because you were a non-factor, you know, for an entire quarter. You look at Tennessee, A&M, Clemson, they didn't score at all. So it makes it tough, you know, to play when you're when you're not doing anything yeah. offensively of note. So you play soccer, Preston, you like hot yoga, and Wes does CrossFit, right? Um, do any of y'all run? Yeah, only when I have to. I run when I play sports, okay. mostly, and I don't do CrossFit okay. but every now and then. So, but like, if you're going to go run, you're going to get a little warm up in. You're going to come back. You're going to stretch. I don't have that kind of time. If I'm going to go run four miles, I'm just going to run four miles. I'm not going to go run a mile and then come back and stretch and get some water and then go run. So, my whenever I'm looking at my pace, I'm always looking at after my first mile. That's when I'm basically warming up. It, that's kind of what it seems like. Carolina's that's what their problem is. Do you think they know they're allowed to score in the first quarter is my first question. Um, the second question is, well, no, that, 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 that's really the only important question. But in all seriousness, it's like they're just trying to get their feet under them in quarter number one. The other team scores because you're allowed to do that. And then Carolina's chasing most of the 16 games that they've played. So this is a sort of an inverse of what we usually see with struggling offensive coordinators. Usually with struggling offensive coordinators, you'll see them come out and have everything scripted. The first 10 plays will be amazing. And then once the defense adjusts, yeah. then they don't have the answer for that. That's what we've seen. That was in BMAC. The, that was BMAC. That's yeah. what we've seen in the past here. You know, the first drive, awesome. Everything's working, and then we don't have the, the, the adjustment. That being said... To use the the boxing analogy, like we're, we're, it seems like we're trying to throw the counterpunch before we've established the jab, or we we haven't f- established the fastball before we've established the out pitch, or mm-hmm. whatever that. However, you want to phrase that, whatever way that you think about it. So it doesn't even seem as if we're coming into the game with a with a plan to start with, and then we're adjusting from not even having a a base starting point. How many times do we have to say? I don't know what Carolina's game plan was coming into this game before they have a game plan. And to to bring it backwards, last year when I painstakingly broke down film for the last time that I will do it, of the Florida game last year, they had a very consistent, concise, simple game plan. They lined up in big formations. They ran the ball. They didn't make... Uh, Jason Brown do too much during that game. Seemed like the games that they won, even if we're including the bowl game, there was a coherent, consistent game plan. All the other games, it seems to have lacked. Is there any answer within the existing framework of this offensive coaching staff? Or is it just wait until the end of the season and hope they make the right changes? 
that can't be the answer. That that can't be the answer. It's too long. The from a player's perspective, if we're talking about what the players deserve to have a chance when they're going out and playing, mm-hmm. um, because if we're talking about effort, I don't think I don't think the team played particularly hard Saturday on both sides of the ball. Mm. The only thing I will cop to though is that if you don't feel like you have an opportunity or there's no chance based on not having faith or confidence in the game plan. Sometimes it is difficult to just run into a wall because you know you're running into a wall. So not not excusing or copping pleas for them, but sometimes that does happen. Yeah, what was uh, Josh that called at the end of the first hour, I believe, right, who you know, was talking about how basically how does Spencer Rattler feel when you take him out of the game on the first third down and six? It's not only how Spencer Rattler feels, it's how everybody else feels. Yeah. So if he's the best player, and we've kind of known this to be the best player, and you, I've been on teams, I've been on staffs when – the call gets made and everybody rolls their eyes. We don't say anything because we're all good soldiers and we're going to do it, but mm-hmm. deep down, you're like, this This is stupid. Well, and to carry on Joyner, can't have been excited. I, I said earlier, that's that was unfair to the carry on Joyner. That's the first touch of the season for him, correct? Yeah. He's played a handful of snaps, and then you're bringing him in on the first third down of the game when you're hosting the number one team in the country. That's his first touch of the season. That's setting your players up for failure. That's inexcusable to me. And not just because I, you know, hated the bowl game. <laughs> I felt like, um, and this is complete conjecture on my part, I felt like it was in the script that at that particular point, mm-hmm. uh, DK was going in at QB. Um, but you just got to go off the script at that point and keep the ball in seven's hands. So there's a, there is a way, and I'm, I'm, I'm not an offensive guy, but I understand game planning. There is a way that if maybe we're trying to see what look Georgia is going to give us when we bring this formation out, maybe there's a second down look where you do that. And you kind of you run a motion, you burn a play just to see how they adjust to it, and then you come back to it on a later third down mm. because they gave you the look yeah. that you thought you were going to see, and now we have a play action that we're running, et cetera. So, but you don't call it because we know in this game, every third down conversion is going to count because this team is better than us. That's not, that's not a reason why you can't win, but you just coach in knowing that every play is very, very crucial. So there is a way in your script or your game plan where you can say, all right, after the first first down, we're going to bring DK out on first and 10, run the zone read, and we're not even running it necessarily to get yards, but we just want to see how Georgia's mm-hmm. going to play it. And then you bring it back later because they gave you what you look, or you say, oh, oh no, we're not running that ever again. Wouldn't it be easier if he was even in your personnel grouping? Because then, you know, if, if, he's, if he's your starting slot receiver, you have him on the field most of the time. If you get a look that you like, you motion him into the backfield. You split Spencer Spencer Rattler out wild. I mean, you see teams do that not a lot, but that's a thing that you can do. Now you're in the Wildcat because you saw the look that you want. And not to to go back to the idea of playing chess and checkers. Mm-hmm. We were playing chess, and Georgia plays checkers. They yeah. they go swoop. Oh, Rob Bowers, you're the best. Whoop. Yeah. They don't play chess. They don't have to. They're not trying to outsmart you or what they're trying to do. And it seems like we're outsmarting ourselves a lot of times. I, I feel like, um, so when you go back to the fastball change-up analogy, um, I feel like there are some good change-ups from Marcus Satterfield. Like, he does not lack ideas. Um, every game, you will see 
these little create. So the best offense coordinators, I think, each game they'll like add something new, add a tweak, just something different for the opponent to prepare for. Um, you know, we saw what I what I think was a new twist on um, the way South Carolina runs the screen pass to the running back last week against Arkansas. Very successful. Um, they actually did some creative things Saturday. They got lost in the wash. They had this formation where they put three receivers in the backfield and then they motioned a different guy out and they were trying to find ways to create a mismatch one-on-one situation with those. Can I and stop I, you there? No, no, no. Hold on. Let me finish. Then you go. I feel like they, you can, you can add all those things, but you still have, you have to have your fastball first. And they have, they have to this point not been able to figure out what is it that we do that is our go-to. And you have to be able to execute those other things that are going to be your base offense before you start trying to get creative and, you know, doing all these different things. I, I just feel like that when you're not executing the base stuff, you really can't waste any time in practice getting to all the creative stuff. Like it just it felt like you run a play and you know let's say first down run Marshawn Lloyd 6 yards and then it's just like look to the sideline and there's like four different guys subbing out and back in and huddle and then go line up run a second down play three guys are running off three guys are running back there's just a lot going on for for one play. And when you have that much going on, that, that leaves more things that could be messed up. Like, if you just say, hey, this is this is the formation, this is the personnel for these three plays, you got to stay on the field. That's one less thing that could be screwed up for that play. So I, not that you don't want to be multiple. I get being multiple. And if you do too little and you are bad on offense, people... They're naturally going to say, well, you're not doing enough. You're running the same place. You're running the same place. I get it. You're walking that line. That's what every offense coordinator has to do is walk the line between too much and too little. But when the issue continues to be that you're not executing at a high efficiency rate, you've got to just keep dialing back, keep dialing back. You can't do any creative things until you can get your base stuff mm-hmm. down pat. Um, I, I want to come back to this. Two quick things. Is, is putting three wide receivers in the backfield anything other than a novelty? Is there any reason to do that? Well, yeah, that, that's my point. You you incorporate what you would call novelty. You, like you incorporate little, just different looks for every game. I think like okay. even the people that have their just this is what we do. This is our base package. The great offensive coordinators are going to have something new, something different every game. That was I believe designed like look Georgia has really really good DBs. We're probably not going to be able to just line up and get open throughout right. the game. Let's put these three guys in the backfield, and they actually hit the Jaheim Bell deep ball right. well, off so, that same look. So, so you kind of you set me up for it perfectly. It's like, is that for any reason other than just, hey, look, this looks cool, and look how smart I am for scheming something up like this? If the answer is yes, there's a utility there, then you're telling your players, you guys are so bad, we got to get you matchups. We don't trust any of you to win your one on ones. That that's Preston. Is it is it wrong to think that the players feel that way? I don't think they're thinking that much okay. involved unless it depends on how much faith they have in, in the coach. There's probably not a lot of reason to have a lot of faith in his, in the offense at of this point. Yeah. But 
if it's working, then the coaches are, and then the players are like, yeah, this is great, yeah. let's do it. But when it's not working, then, I mean, if I was Juice Wells, I'd, I'd probably be flipping tables over on the sideline because yeah. wh- where, what happened? Where was I? Yeah. Why wasn't I a focal point of this uh, this particular? We offense? didn't get to the clip last week. Marcus Satterfield said he was he was saying this as a compliment to Juice for just succeeding within the framework of the offense. He said, "You can look in our playbook. There's not one play." Drawn up for Juice Wells. It's like. <laughs> well, now, now, the, now the one thing is. It's, that's, that's a little bit the opposite. I, I agree with your point. You, you need to make sure you're getting Wells the ball. But like, I see what Wes is saying in terms of if getting, getting your guys easy looks is not saying we don't think he can get open. Look at look at how Georgia used Brock Bowers. Mm-hmm. Not every play was, hey, line up and destroy that person. They, <laughs> they gave him some of those yeah. because he can, his catch in the end zone, right, where he mossed a DB. That's a you're better than him, go make that play. Mm-hmm. They also had, here's a very easy catch and run for you. So it's fine to do those things. But I think Wes's point is, and this is what I, I wanted to piggyback off of it. Three days before the game, Marcus Satterfield said, we're trying to be the most simple offense in America that you can just go execute. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And they're not that. And so I is did, he lying or is he well, I, I think, stupid? You know, that, that you want your identity to be that. And we, we know that South Carolina, if they were going to win that game, they were not going to line up against Georgia and say, this is what we do and impose their will. They're not that good enough. They're going to have to put in some wrinkles and things like that. But the overall point is, you look at it and you're just you're just not sure what they do well. You feel like Spencer Rattler's strengths are not being accentuated. You look after the Arkansas game and say, where's Juice Wells? I don't know. Every week we talk about what are they doing with Jaheim Bell. We don't know. Well, it's like, it's know? like we spend the whole offseason. It's like, oh, we got to accentuate Juju McDowell. And we got to accentuate Jaheim Bell. And we got to accentuate carry on Joyner. They don't know their personnel. Juice Wells had more yards in the second half of Arkansas than Jaheim Bell has in the entire season. And they're still trying to force-feed Jaheim Bell the ball. Juice Wells didn't get a target on Saturday, I don't think. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand their personnel. It's, it's mystifying. We need to take a break. We're going long. I'm sorry. We'll come back to this. This is an interesting idea. I want to get a quick recap of buy or sell, too, so we can start keeping track of that. 803-404-6100. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. <laughs> 1139. Uh, what is it, Monday? It's still Monday. Holy cow, it's still Monday. Welcome back into the Extra Point, the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here. Wes, Chris, Preston, myself, talking about Carolina, Georgia. You probably heard a little bit there from Wes. How did Georgia rush for 208 yards and Stetson Bennett was their leading rusher with, what, 33? 36. 36 yards. This is a weird box score. I mean, he had the most impressive runs of the day on, on either side. He did. Three for 36. Uh, Edwards, 4 for 33. Milton, 10 for 32. 
Branson Robinson, six for 32. Carson Beck, two for 20. It was like everybody on the team rushed for 20 yards. Yeah. That's that's one of the more unusual box scores that you'll see. Um, with that, actually, that will segue us into uh, the results for buy or sell because that was one of our buys or sells. And a friend of mine texted me towards the end of the game and was like, yep, yeah, there's you know 200. That was it. I was like, Georgia didn't rush for 200 yards. I was like, they probably didn't even rush for 100 because it didn't feel like it. Um, but, of course, uh, your realtor sponsoring buy or sell. You want to tell us about her, and then we can recap last week's results? Yeah, but I, I hope you all remember because I – Lost the file. Oh, did uh, you really? Okay, yes. we're not going to recap it, but you can still tell us about Kendall. Okay, yes. Uh, Kendall will do a better job of uh, keeping up with the details than I did. Uh, Kendall Walsh, uh, Walsh of the Moore Company, 803-414-3590. Work with Walsh at gmail.com. Also work with Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. Give her a shout if you're in the market to buy a new home. She helped me and my fiance through what can be a daunting process and made it easy Uh, If you're a Gamecock fan, you maybe already know Kendall. She used to work at the Gamecock Club. She was an assistant Gamecock Club director, uh, the first female ever in that role. A great Gamecock, and uh, she can help you get get your home, 803-414-3590. Troy and Chapin hits us on the text line. Says the high point of the game to me was when Georgia scored their extra point late in the third in the student section that fielded the ball, walked up to the rail, and threw the ball out of the stadium. Did y'all see that? <laughs> I did not see I didn't that. see that either. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's hysterical. That, you know, when I was in school, that used to be what you did. They yeah. didn't have oh, really? the big net up, uh, and everybody would chant, throw it out, throw it out. <laughs> and you had, no matter where you were, like you had to turn around and chuck it out of the north end zone Tight. onto the street onto george rogers boulevard yes yeah that's a really that's a solid tradition i didn't know that uh my biggest takeaway there uh thanks for the text troy i didn't realize there was anyone left in the student section to field any extra points at that point in the game um i threw it to you friday i said guys this thing could get out of hand and everyone's going to be gone at halftime it's probably not going to be a good look for all the recruits that are on campus there were a bunch and you're like, there's more that goes on on the visit. And it's not one game that is determining the fates of these guys on campus. But Nicholas Harbour was there visiting, several other guys. Uh, did you did you hear from any of them? Was there any word on the street that the showing that the Gamecocks put out on Saturday adversely affected the recruiting weekend in any way? None. If you want to read from Nick, uh, Chad Simmons actually talked to him at I guess late last night or this morning, we've got that up on GamecockCentral.com. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where when a guy takes an official visit, it is much more about, you know, the atmosphere, about the, uh, you know, yes, getting to eat at great restaurants, the academics in, ca- in the case of Harbor, um, the track program, getting to know some of the other guys that are in South Carolina's recruiting class, all those things. You know, that said, I, I think – Obviously, it's going to be a much better situation if you win the football game or if you compete in the football game. I mean, I think we would be uh, disingenuous to say it doesn't matter. Um, Obviously, you get blown out on your home field. It does matter. Um, At the same time, I think all those other things that I mentioned matter quite a bit more. And, you know, no kid after taking his official visit is going to be like, you know, oh, they were awful. Like, and these visits are set up to to really just give you a complete full view of the program, the coaching staff, the plan for you, the plan for you off the field, the living situation at South Carolina with 650 Lincoln. And, um, you know, according to Harbor, 
you know, I believe his quote was uh, South Carolina set the bar very, very high. Um, you know, this was his first hmm. official visit. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But South Carolina, LSU, Michigan continue to be the three schools, I think, to watch with Nick Harper. I do remember that was one of the buy or sell. I don't even remember what everybody said. I know you bought it, Chris, because it was your yep. buy or sell. Were, were you baking in a 48 to nothing loss at home into the buy or sell? I was not, but I, obviously I was baking in the possibility of a loss and yeah. that if you're losing that the atmosphere is not going to be as good as, you know, mm-hmm. say a win. But I actually uh, inserted malware into Wes's file <laughs> so that it would be deleted, corrupted, good. so that we couldn't. Good. I probably lost all the, well, we don't know yet. The the one buyer sell we won't know until uh, February. February. Maybe, maybe February. Yeah. So that's a to be determined. So we'll remember <laughs> we'll that, one. Back to that The one, one of the three, we'll we'll be able to circle back to. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. Well, it was uh, it's quite a crowd. Were you all there? Yeah. 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 Okay. We all in the we're press beside each other. Actually, huh? yeah, we're, we're in the stands. Okay. All right. Cool. I was gonna say it was like I, I get it wasn't a good atmosphere. It was really fun in the press box because after the second quarter, everyone was just kind of chilling. Um, normally, there's like a little more focus. It's not that fun. It's solid. It's solid. Uh, Preston, when did you leave your corner? <laughs> your like angle view when did you corner. just go just go lounge uh when yeah when did Preston quit I, I sat down I sat down about after after halftime okay halftime seemed to be dragging along so just before they brought Carson Beck in midway through the third quarter yeah it was somewhere somewhere along that line and there weren't there wasn't anything else really compelling to change the channel to so yeah I just kind of stuck it out. I wanted, I wanted to. That's when I really wanted to start watching was when it was out of hand. Yeah, so I start. That's when I really start paying attention. It was, it was kind of a dud day until it looked like UTSA, Missouri State, and somebody else were all about to pull up. So, oh, in South Florida, we're all about to pull upsets, and then all of them lost anyway. And I was furious. That was very. That was a terrible ending of the afternoon. Other than that, kind of a dud. Kind of a dud college football day. First two weeks were fun. Notre Dame was a good game. Oh yeah, I didn't watch any of that. No, I, I, I I, any of we that. got back to that Notre Dame, uh, Auburn, Penn State was entertaining early mm-hmm. before it got out of hand. But they have four or five turnovers that game, Auburn. Something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, not great. So it was cool. It was, okay. Who are you was pulling just... for the most? Missouri State, South Florida, or UTSA? Uh on personal ties, I was. I, I I like to see Jeff Scott and and crew get it down get it together down in South Florida. Okay, so I was I could you know I was I was always looking for them to do well. Yeah, I know better than to ask Wes and Chris who they're rooting for because they don't they don't root. Correct, guys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're rooting even for upsets. Upsets are fun. I love upsets. No, I like upsets. Yeah, I just want general sixty five upsets every single weekend. That's all I want. Um, none of those games, unfortunately. 803-404-6100. Any more thoughts that you have on Carolina and Georgia? It is a Reaction Monday. Love Chevy phone line, text line, however you be, want to be a part of the show, let us know. Uh, we'll get a few more thoughts in before uh, we move. Well, we'll, we'll talk about Carolina and Georgia a lot more tomorrow, but any more immediate game reactions, y'all go ahead and get them in. 803-404-6100. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.51 Monday morning. A couple minutes left here for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. It's been a fun reaction Monday. Appreciate all of you that have been a part of the show. 
Uh, any final thoughts that you have, you can let us know on the Love Chevy phone line, 803-404-6100, or get all of us on Twitter. I'm at Pearson Fowler. He is at Coach P Tweets. He is also at West Mitchell GC, and he is also at GC Chris Clark. Um, Wes uh, correctly pointed out we've we've missed one big part of the game, and I want to examine not even that part of the game so much as why. But first, Wes, uh, you moved a couple weeks ago, and it sounds like it didn't suck, which moving normally does. Well, it, it didn't suck because of Gangcock moving, and uh, that's because they did everything. Um, I barely even had to watch, so that, that was good. Gamecockmoving.com, 803-814-3569. Residential, easy for me to say, and commercial. Office moving, licensed, bonded, and insured. They can help you move anywhere in the state of South Carolina statewide moving. They can assist in coordinating out-of-state moves as well. Uh, Wire-to-wire service, packing, moving, and unpacking if you want. And uh, they actually have a discount going on right now for Prisma Health employees, any college students, all active-duty military personnel, or just tell them that you that you heard about them right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5. Again, GamecockMoving.com, 803-814-3569. South Carolina gave up 48 points on Saturday, and it could have been infinity. Um, I, I think all three of you are smart football watchers. Preston's obviously a former player. When you give up 48 points in any game, it's going to be very hard to win. Why, are, why did we just spend the whole hour talking about the offense? Is it because it's been such an issue? Are we not being fair? Do we like Clayton White more than we like Marcus Satterfield? Because it's hard to win when you give up 48 points. And it's even harder when you give up 21 in the first three drives of the game. Again. Yeah, so, you know, I think some of it is the defense, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, played okay last year, probably played above what we expected from them last year. Um, there were still issues last year that we all were kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, but this is probably why, um, you know, and, and this week also, you, you know, you look at the guys that were out that, that does matter. But at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack, probably don't have time for all of it, but I was sitting there. The thing that kept just standing out to me was the difference in overall team speed for Georgia and, the fact that what they were doing was not really complicated. I, I felt like they were just yo-yoing South Carolina's linebackers back and forth. They would just throw the ball out to the flat this way. They would run Carolina's linebackers that way. Then they'd throw the ball out in the flat to the right. Their linebackers would chase out that way. And then once you sort of saw the linebackers maybe get their eyes out there, they would run power back to the opposite direction. It, it really... I mean, it was a great NCAA football game plan, um, but it just shows you the difference in when you, like, have guys that are executing when there's blocks out on the edge as opposed to not. Um, you know, their guys would sort of shield off Carolina's corners. Then it's up to the linebackers to be fast enough to get out there and make a play. And Georgia just ate up the angles, I, I felt like. So it wasn't a difficult game plan. They just executed what they do. Uh, to be fair, to bring, I guess, some of the smoke to Clayton White and, and defensive staff and crew, some of the similar complaints that we have for the offensive staff as they have not corrected what was going wrong last year, and that can be levied against defense also. They couldn't stop the run last year, and they haven't stopped it to this point yeah. either. So I think do think it is probably time to start asking questions about why that hasn't improved to this point yet. You've given up 92 points in two weeks. Yeah, they're getting smoked, so that's fair. Yeah. 
I, I think we, we went into this game being, or I did at least, being even more concerned about the defense because of what we saw at Arkansas. Right. And again, I came out of the Arkansas game saying there was some good and bad with the offense, but I was kind of, I was a little bit surprised by the lack of the talk about the defense, you know, going, Hey, look at the, <laughs> look at this area too. This is also yep. alarming. And so it's both now South Carolina was, we knew that's going to be a big challenge. We knew Georgia would score. Yeah. They were down a bunch of players. Are we, and if we aren't, should we, and I guess even if we are, should we be giving the defense a pass for missing half of their starters? I don't think we give them a pass. I think we can acknowledge those guys are out while also saying... Um, like full strength, maybe you lose 35 to zero? Yeah, they miss those guys. They miss Cam Smith outside. Um, they've been hit at spots maybe they didn't have the best depth at in the first place. So I think we acknowledge it, but you can't just give an all-out pass either. I, but I think some of it, some of that is just Georgia is better. Like Brock Bowers, so so the play Brock Bowers makes at the back of the end zone where he goes up over the Carolina DB, makes the catch, puts his foot down. Both and, feet, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, Fortune hit the ball. Yeah, mo- like he hit the ball in his hands. Against most opponents, we're sitting there saying, oh, good play by the Carolina DB. They forced a field goal. Because uh, that, that was on a third down, I think. Uh, hopefully I'm getting that right. So, you know, opponent does matter, like, the great opponents, and I think Georgia is that, a great opponent, they will expose any little issues you may have. And, and I thought that's what we saw. Maybe not everybody. Most teams don't do that against South Carolina. But also, you were seeing, like, the full, like, hey, here are all of your works right out here on display um, because Georgia is a team that, that can do that and, and show, you know, show what your issues are. Um but yeah, there were definitely some plays where, you know, Stetson Bennett, give him credit, man. Like, this kid is is good. He's faster than you think he is. Faster than everyone on Carolina's defense He's, right now. You know, and I, I felt like South Carolina, it, it was kind of like, all right, when they, there was a lack of speed. So it was either they were too slow to get there at times. Um, but when they had to, like, sprint to a spot, like, they're having to go full out rather than break down as they sort of ensue a ball carrier. So it's like they're almost out of control having to play catch-up, and then that's when you get juked out of your shoes and end up on on ESPN, I feel like. For sure. But to go back to what Pearson was saying earlier about not knowing their past personnel, Nick Mawari is the best player on South Carolina's football team right now. Mm-hmm. With that being said, why wasn't he starting game one? If we knew who our person if, if there's no way he can be the best player now, and not have started game one. It's a good point. I think uh, as of last week, he was still listed as an or with R.J. Roderick pending Impossible. injury status. I'll be very curious to see who uh, who starts the Charlotte game. I guess we'll get a depth chart later this afternoon that we can pour over on the show tomorrow. Appreciate you all being a part of it. As always, been a fun reaction Monday. It continues next on the Halftime Show. Dissecting politics with exclusive interviews, commentary, and humor. Useful Idiots with Katie Halper and Aaron Maté. I really don't like sharks, and I think we live in a very shark-agandistic world. I wish we could just get rid of them as a species, but apparently that would be bad for the food chain. What about you? I live in New York City, so I'm biased to rats. I don't see what they offer. Any rats who watch Useful Idiots, I'm sorry to exclude you. Exclude is a little bit of a euphemism for yes. wishing someone's death. Yeah. I'm sorry to exclude you from life on Earth. Useful Idiots with Katie Halper and Aaron Maté. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.